Podcast uh, and happy Valentine's Day to all you Jack and Roses out there. I'm one of your hosts, Matt from the Fun V Podcast, and I'm Byron from the Fun V Podcast, and I'm Ward from the Parkway Theater. And I'm resenting that you played that song. I like this movie, and now you're making me feel guilty for liking this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that. 99.9% of people associate this movie directly with this song, so I don't know if I could have done any better. I try to block it out. Yeah, the outro will also be this song, uh, spoiler <laughs> alert here, <laughs> because it's it's the only thing I think of when I think of this movie. But this movie, if people didn't realize it uh, from Celine Dion, is Titanic, 1997's Titanic. Uh, that's what we're going to discuss on this special holiday uh, Valentine's episode of the Parkway Podcast. So, what are we drinking today? Do we have a special holiday whatever drink? Anybody? Anybody have anything good? Just some ice uh, water I, for me. Nope, go ahead, Ward. Ice water, he says. Wow. Oh, good call. ice water. Good one. Yeah. I went, went off of that same idea. I'm drinking a Natty Ice. Wow. Okay. I... I still refuse to, uh, you know, uh, cave into the themes, and I just drink whatever's in my my beer fridge for these podcasts. So, uh, <laughs> unless someone comes over and makes me a special like a uh, mixed drink, this is what I'm doing. So, that's <clears throat> always how I roll. Uh, we have uh, a pretty big, giant, let's say, super long movie ahead of us here, gentlemen. And I think the first thing we need to discuss, as always, is Byron. Have you ever seen this movie before? <laughs> ah, yes, I have. Uh, no big drum roll for that. Yes, I have seen this movie. I went and saw it in theaters, actually, and uh, the oh, rest of my family nice. was completely enthralled with this film. We uh, okay. purchased it on VHS, and yeah. I distinctly remember this is the first VHS that we ever had that had two cassettes with it. That's how. Yeah, long I was going to say, did was. that? I I would have thought it would have come in like a briefcase with multiple. <laughs> <laughs> jackets and yeah, things. Yeah, I can I can very distinctly remember getting to uh I think it was right before the uh the drawing scene and it would say please insert movie 2 and uh <laughs> it would just can I ask my mind that there was a thing. Byron, can I ask a question? Was that that part of the movie just on the VHS just a little bit worn out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, so Byron always started cassette two, and that's where he started the movie. <laughs> well, that's really where the movie gets interesting, I'll tell you what. It's certainly, an odd, it's certainly odd to do it backwards if you do two and then go one. Yeah, yeah, it's a totally different story about the, the salvage of a, of, a, of a big ship <laughs> and the return to England. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so three and a half hours. I mean, I think the uh, Blu-ray edition is three and a half, the actual runtime of the... Uh, uh, the uh, theatrical release is two hour, or three hours and fourteen minutes, which is the one I watched. And did you guys, did either one of you, watch the uh, longer version? 
There's an extended cut. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, know like that. there was a long. There was a longer version. Yeah, there's an. Extra Is that the one that has the song where all the hobbits are sitting around the table singing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the one where Andy Circus uh, plays the ship. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think the there was the Blu-ray one that had uh, an extra 16 minutes, but I didn't. I didn't bother checking into that. Uh, let me just run through our numbers here, and then we can jump into. <clears throat> to this uh, discussion. So this movie obviously stars Leonardo DiCaprio. Everybody knows that as Jack Dawson. It's got Kate Winslet uh, in the aforementioned drawing scene. Billy Zane with hair. Wow, that's a shocker. <laughs> and uh, Kathy Bates, Francis Fisher, Gloria Stewart, who yeah got a supporting Best Supporting Actress nod for this which I think is amazing. And Bill Paxton, Bernard Hill, David Warner, Victor Garber. That's who I chose to uh, mention in the top build cast. This thing written and directed by James Cameron. Uh, cinematography by uh, Oscar award-winning Russell Carpenter. And I here I want to pause for a bit and ask you guys, uh, are you fans of the early 90s Jean-Claude Van Damme movie Hard Target? Oh, yeah. I love Hard Target. John I love Woo. It too. Love it too. Yep, exactly. Byron, have you seen Hard Target? Hard Target? Absolutely not. Okay. It is uh, Die Hard in a Hockey Rink. Does that <laughs> remind you? No, that's it's, Sudden it's Death. It's certainly getting me back. Certainly, oh, uh, it death. intrigues okay. me. Uh, yeah, that's Sudden Death. You're right. So, yeah, Hard Target uh, <laughs> is great. Um, uh, he also did, he also did uh, uh, True Lies. Byron, have you seen True Lies? Yes, I have seen True Lies. Another one by James Cameron. Yeah, I like what's to call the best? it James Bond starring Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> James Bond starring Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, so did did your family have that one on a two two VHS set? Where in the second set it starts with Jamie Lee Curtis doing the it starts with Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis dancing. <laughs> also, no, no, I think that I also think a very was, uh, worn out. Stay on one VHS. Okay, also I'm a very, very worn out tape. It's a very worn-out tape. I'm very ashamed to admit that Hard Target is not the hockey rink one. Dang it. Uh, that's one I was thinking. But I have seen Hard Target many times. Uh, it's the one where he has a mullet. It's yes, and he does the he does the fist pump after. Why are we talking about Hard Target? This is the Hard Target podcast. This is all we talk about. Okay. <laughs> well, Actually, this is the Russell Carpenter podcast where we talk about his movies. Okay. Anywho's uh, Ant-Man uh, Hard Pass. How about that? Oh, you're going to call it Hard Pass? So Ant-Man 2015, that's the last thing he did that I cared about. And then he's apparently working on all 27 of the next Avatar movies with uh, James Cameron. So that's <laughs> what that guy's doing. Uh, so this movie, uh, before I, well, let's, let's just, uh, maybe I'll do this at the end. So budget, $200 million at the time was the most expensive movie ever made uh, until Avatar. And then Cameron spent even more money on that one. And, the, and uh, that was, I remember there was like bad you know, bad press coming out before this movie was released. It was like, oh my God, this budget is bloated and it's going to be the biggest flop of all time. And yep, yeah, you know, didn't really work out that way. No, it didn't, because box office gross total over time two point two billion dollars. Uh, I read, I read something that said you could actually, if you adjust for inflation, you could build eleven. Titanics in you know in today's age from the movie that this money made <laughs> 11 giant ocean liners so that's I think that's saying something tomato meter 89% critics 69 uh, audience and of course the plot is 17 year old aristocrat falls in love with a kind but poor artist aboard the luxurious ill-fated RMS Titanic this movie, I want you guys to guess how many Oscars, or maybe you already know how many Oscars was it nominated for, and how many did it win? Mm. Uh, 17 I answer, so I will and 9. So, Ward guesses 17 and 9. Byron, what was your guess? Oh, I know the answer. Do you want me to say it? Yeah, go ahead and say it. Uh, I thought it was 14 and 11. Yeah, it is. 14 and 11. Do you have the, the ones that it, do the, the awards that it won? Uh, no, I do not have them up before. Do you have them? Yes. Yes. So this movie won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction for Set Design, Best Costume Design, Best Sound, Best Film, Best Effects uh, for Editing, or for sorry, for Sound Effects Editing, Best Effects Visual, Best Music for this song that Ward does not like, and Best Music Original Dramatic Score. 
So that's a pretty big hauling. I don't know if I actually remember the 1998 Academy Awards, but um, it made a big impression that year. <laughs> it goes without saying. It's kind of shocking. There is only uh, one context in which I can handle that song, and that uh-huh. is as I'm wiping up, mopping up the tears as the credits are rolling on this movie. That's it. That's all you That's the only place. If I'm in the car, turn it off. Is it because it turns you into a blubbering mess of emotions? It could be. It could be. (laughs) Well, we we definitely don't want that to happen during this podcast. God, don't do it. Don't do it. I always consider that's like the alarm that wakes me up after I've fallen asleep from watching this film. Like, Celine Dion's the perfect alarm clock. Because <laughs> it's kind of noise to you, like a yeah. shocking noise. Yeah, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. I just wake right up. It's like, ah, ah well, movie's done. Uh, <laughs> movie's done. Well, you know what's funny? I I actually have a personal anecdote about uh, the whole actual Titanic historical, the, the actual history of the Titanic, not this movie. Um, uh, so my... And I just learned about this, like, I don't know, a few years ago. But my ex-wife's grandpa was super-duper old uh, because she, my ex-wife was, like, the youngest daughter of another youngest daughter. So you know how that kind of stretches generations out. Um, her grandpa was actually uh, there, and he was, like, telling them that the ship, the ship was going to sink. He was, like, trying to warn everybody who was there. And uh, he was, like, you know, I, I'm unsure why but he's running around and kept telling anyone who would listen that this this ship you know this ship is going to sink and then they had to kick him out of the theater anybody but dumb tish yeah <laughs> i was waiting for your own drum roll there <laughs> i'm just shaking my head that doesn't really do well on podcast though does it <laughs> Oh, sorry, man. Oh, I was yeah, waiting well, for you to do your own rim shot there. I thought you had the full, sound effect up. Full, uh, full disclosure, I stole that from somewhere else online. <laughs> but, but I thought it was pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm, I'm hanging up my, uh, my uh, stand-up routine now. That's it. No more jokes. Yeah, it's, uh, what, it, uh, well, it's pretty. It's a pretty impressive film for considering you already know the ending going into it, right? I mean, oh well, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like it made two point two billion dollars, and everyone knew what was going to happen. Right. Well, not yeah. only that, but in the beginning of the movie, they show you a computer animated, you know, replica of what's going to happen at the end of the movie to the ship. That probably was the early cgi that they were using it and they just decided to show it and you know right yeah that that would make sense although i don't know if james cameron's into saving money like that he probably made two different <laughs> two different uh, <coughs> versions of that uh so let's was, talk the about that was so bloated <laughs> yeah no let's talk so, about that so can that i just say before we ju- dive into it that uh so i i saw this movie in the theaters well uh i think like three times actually I went back a couple of times, um, and uh, I, I, I have to admit, this is one of the only movies that gets me crying every time, and I haven't watched it in probably 10 years or so, <laughs> so I was interested, I watched it last night if it, was, if it held up, and I have to say, despite its ham-fisted morality and its stupid Picasso jokes and even oh, the CGI yeah. being a little bit dated, it still gets me. I still, I admit it, I still cried at the end. Is it, uh, is it because you saw, oh, well, I guess, let's talk about the end when we get to the end. Let's talk about the beginning now. Uh, Byron, what was your overall impression? You said it was boring and it's your alarm clock. Is that what I'm hearing? Say what? What was your overall impression? Uh, you know, yeah, maybe? boring. Boring and seemed really long. It was Pride and Prejudice in a Boat. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, keep going. If you oh, have anything else. Uh, no, I, I, I <laughs> He's done. No problem. Podcast wrap. I, like I said, oh, go ahead. He's done. He's done. <laughs> uh, well, I had no problem with this film. I like I said, I I I liked this film. I thought it was well done. I liked the plot. It it served well. Um I can appreciate it from a technical standpoint as James Cameron tried to say push the limits of 
using CGI and trying to use real sets and trying to make it as realistic as possible and the amount of research that he invested into trying to understand the Titanic itself I mean, uh, to understand that I can have a great respect for that uh, I, I do I, this film to me still holds up uh, I still find it a little bit um, like I do like I said I find some of the CGI dated but I still don't have a problem you know I don't have any issue with it or anything not enough to knock it other than calling yeah. it pride and prejudice <laughs> in a boat and that's knocking it in my I mind it, pretty well. I guess it is. <laughs> well, what's um, wrong with so, Pride and Prejudice? I, I don't know. I don't like those things. But uh, So here's my problem with this whole idea of podcasting about this. This movie is like the Titanic. It's a monster. I mean, it's, and you guys touched on some of the subjects. It's, it's you know, made over $2 billion. It's three and a half hours long almost. It's, you know, it had a huge budget. It has all these things going on with it, the research he did. So I don't really know, you know, I didn't, I don't really know how to discuss this movie because there's like so many different angles that we could talk about. And I don't know, it's pretty, pretty complicated. I mean, one, one angle is, you know, um, James Cameron is actually, he actually dove on submersibles to the Titanic. Now, I can't remember if that was before or after filming this or what his whole experience was but i mean he's like he's not he's no he's no longer just a uh, movie uh director and producer now he's like some kind of bob ballard-esque uh, oceanaut or something for some wasn't reason wasn't because th- some of the scenes that in the beginning and the beginning of the movie the framing device that happens before and after isn't there actual footage of the titanic or is that is that special effects? So I didn't do the research because I just thought there's just too much research to do. So I, I don't know. I mean, someone could Google uh, it now. But. From what I remember, I thought that was actual footage from the Titanic. It sure looked like non-cinematic footage at the start. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I thought some of that was real. But, I mean, everything else in there was actors. Like they in the submersible, there was, uh, you know, a sound stage and... Whoever they had playing Ballard with his Hemingway sweater on, uh, yeah, that was all. Uh, I think just actors for that part. Because there was also a, a documentary. I want to say I saw it at the Omni Theater or one of those places that that was mm-hmm. like a companion piece to this. Mm. That that yeah. Cameron did. Yes. Uh, yeah, I do. That is true. Um, I don't think I ever saw that. That would be kind of interesting. <clears throat> so I mean, there's the, you know again there's the the Cameron aspect, the historical aspect, uh, all the stuff. So one of you pick something, and let's pull that thread and talk about it for a while. So, all right. So the one thing that I want to bring up is, so Bill Paxton is kind of, he's kind of us. Yeah. And and so when he says at the end, you know, I've been, I've been doing nothing but Titanic my whole life, and it never really got to me. I think when I saw the movie the first time, that's, that's kind of how I felt. It was like I always knew what the Titanic was, and I didn't really, you know, it was a boat that went down. I didn't really think it was a big deal. But I think that was where the, like, the emotional payload came the first time I saw the movie. It was like, wow, I never really thought about what it was like to go down on this ship in this movie. Like, at the time, that was about as realistic as you could get, was showing people what really happened. Yeah. Uh <clears throat> Agreed. Uh, that's a, a point that I wanted to bring up that I thought James Cameron did a very good job with this film is, like I said, we already know the ending, but what he does in the middle in between the start of the start of the ship, the voyage and the, the sinking is that he's able to create so such really realistic human connections that are able to draw you into their own little li- They draw you into their life and they draw you into the drama that unfolds with it. And you really start to feel for these characters, and you really hope that they make it. And unfortunately, not a lot of them did. Yeah, not not a lot, for sure. Uh, so I don't have that same feeling because, you know, I was like eight years old when I saw Jaws, so it was ten years before this movie came out. And my visceral fear of the ocean and, you know, lost at sea kind of scenarios combined with Quint's tale of the USS Indianapolis going down is to me, I can recreate in my own head 
what Cameron put on screen. <laughs> you know, and so I did that 10 years earlier, basically. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah, I, you know, he says like uh, 700 men went in the water, only 167 came out or whatever. And uh, yeah, I, that that's exactly what I pictured was, you know, all these frozen bodies and, you know, bobbing up and down and sharks and all this stuff. Luckily, there were no sharks in this movie. Thank God. That that was, uh, I was, I was, I could not remember much about it, but I thought, oh boy, they're going to get attacked by sharks at some point. <laughs> yeah, too cold. Sharks too aren't cold stupid. Too cool. They're not, they're, yeah. they're not Minnesotans. Yeah. Well, there are uh, sharks in Antarctica, so, so that happens. Uh, Is Ward, it really? Um, you talked about um, being drawn in, I guess, with this film. Uh, did you have a specific character that really seems to, that I guess, that you related to? You talked about Bill Paxton's character was what what you were relating to, or did you? Uh, for me, I yeah, for me, I really relate most to Billy Zane's character. Uh, <laughs> this guy has his head so Good far up Harrington? his fucking ass. Good God, this guy! Is there a is there a character in any movie ever that you want to punch in the face more than this guy? Pretty much no, and I think that about all Billy Zane characters. You know, <laughs> oh, how dare movie. you! How dare you besmirch Kit Harrington and the Phantom like that? Yes, he is a he's a douche, man. This is terrible. He's and, just uh, like he's like God created him, put him on this earth to play a douche. Yes. Absolutely. And also, you just can't help but hate him that much more because he's wearing eyeliner and obviously, <laughs> you know, pancake makeup throughout this movie and at the dinner scenes and stuff. Like, literally, like a, I don't know, an, a, an eighth inch thick eyeliner line around his whole eye. And I'm just thinking, is this the style or is this just Billy Zane being a douche? You know, I couldn't <laughs> tell them apart. I watched the movie with my 14-year-old, and he actually, I had never <laughs> noticed that, but the first time he came on the screen, my son says, is that guy wearing eyeliner? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's horrible. And he's wearing a wig, too, because Billy Zane does not have that kind of hair. And uh, I, I checked at, at the very, very end, there's a uncredited, uh, well, actually, it's on IMDb. It's an uncredited wig maker specifically for Billy Zane. Huh. So it's well, true. better a wig than a full body purple condom like he wears in the Phantom. Yeah, oh, how dare you? Take that. That, that, is, that, is, uh, <laughs> that is uncalled for. What, <laughs> well, did he the, does... what did the Phantom do to you? <laughs> so, uh, so I'll tell you the two moments in this movie, at least that got me this time, pretty sure they're the ones that get me every time is uh when I, are we can we go can we go to the ending are we okay talking about the ending sure all right yeah, hey, the, spoilers when she lets go of, know what that happens in this film yeah spoilers it, the boat it sinks so that's the one that so when when she lets go of jack and he sinks in the water that gets me yeah. every time and i think that's because i do i do really connect with him throughout the movie he's like the the moral compass throughout the movie and uh and he's he's very life like he's the life of the party, and so when he's sinking at the bottom, that gets me. And the other moment that gets me every time is the very end when they show her pictures that she has on her bedside table, and she's gone ahead and done all the things that they talked about, you know, gone on and lived yeah. this great life. That that just gets yeah. me every time. Yeah, the only moment that really got me was as the lifeboat was, uh, you know, was um, paddling through all the frozen dead bodies they saw that one baby oh being held. yeah that's a tough that one. was Ooh. that was the part that i thought oh this is the worst but actually i i seem to remember you know actually i vividly remember the scene of her on the door and him you know being being you know essentially pushed off and and sinking uh which he would not have sank i don't think <laughs> maybe uh but anyway uh, well that I is a uh isn't that like a mythbusters where they've shown that you can put two people on the door? Probably. I mean, I'm glad they did because... But I think, that, you know, in the, they make a point in this movie of showing that he tries and then he can't get there. And uh, and so, you know, he lets her have it. But I didn't really get touched by this, by him, you know, slipping away at that point. I don't know why. It just, it just whatever, that's, that didn't really matter to me. But uh, it's funny because I didn't remember much about this movie. I only remembered the love story part like the oh it's a love story and then the boat sinks you know that that's all i could tell you before i watched this i totally forgot that there's a 
part in the middle, or sorry, part in the, in the beginning where it's mo current day, modern day, and then, then they go back to modern day in the middle for a little bit, and then at the end they go back to modern day, and then old grandma, sneaky, sneaky, <laughs> sneaky lady she is, she has the diamond the whole time. I yeah, never where knew that. in the world Dagger was that diamond? in the back. She had that in her bra the whole time, guys. Yeah, That's yeah. Going where on. in the world was that diamond the entire time? I mean, she goes I and hitches a free ride on this boat, and she's got the yes. diamond the whole time, just sticking a knife yes. in his back. Right. Yeah, and and I I could not have. I don't even know if 1997 if that clicked with me. Like I do not at all have any recollection that this lady just wanted to hop aboard and tell her horny stories about 1912. <laughs> Bring her goldfish. Yeah, bring her goldfish on, and then just chuck a ten, who knows, a priceless really diamond. They said it's bigger than the Hope Diamond or more expensive than the Hope Diamond. So you know, priceless. She's just like, whoop. She just she makes whoop. a little sound and goes, whoop. <laughs> yeah, whoop. Like she dropped it or and something. Like it was a yeah. yeah, yeah. I forgot that. I had no idea if I ever knew that. I was shocked that that happened in this movie because you know, he, poor Bill Paxton's like, oh, I spent my whole life doing this, and she's like, yeah, I know, Whoop. it's in my underwear right now. If you want to get in, get down there and get it, uh, but otherwise, I'm throwing it overboard. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. All right, so I've got a couple so of questions I want to ask you guys. On to it? What if she gave it? Uh, let's let's uh, reimagine a different ending. What if she had given it to Bill Paxton? What do you think would have happened? Do you think you would have been more satisfied with that ending? Uh. No. <laughs> no. 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 All right, I I've mean, got a couple of I, questions I, as, for you guys. As much as I don't like the ending, that's probably the the best one, or at least the more controversial. I mean, it's we're talking about it. Okay, before before Ward gets to his questions, let me address this point. I thought <clears throat> that the fact the whole movie was was really predicated on uh, Bill Paxton's characters kind of lustful treasure hunter hunter kind of desire for this for this diamond it didn't really make sense with the rest of the theme of the movie to me uh, i mean you know here we are like the the rich lady throws off her you know her her status to go be with this one true love and you know and whatever whatever it, it none of it seemed like like we should be you know, I mean, we're, it's not like Bill Paxton was a villain and he was trying to get this, steal this diamond. It was like we were supposed to associate with him, like you said, Ward, like he was us. But, but you know, but his whole goal is to get this diamond. It's not to do, you know, research on the vessel itself. It's just to get this diamond. And but I, I think at like the that. end of the movie, though, he, I think he's okay at the end because he realizes that he kind of was thinking about the wrong thing the whole time. Does he realize that? Yeah, that I think I so. Oh, oh, okay. That, okay. But I mean, okay. it didn't seem like he really had an arc or anything with that. Yeah, no, that's for sure. I mean, you guys know the story uh, of how the Titanic was actually discovered by Bob Ballard in the. Uh, weren't they? Series. Weren't they using it to look up sunken submarines or something like that? It was like a yeah. CIA front or something. That was a U.S. naval operation where they were, they were. Um, out there looking for uh, sunken nuclear submarines, and they didn't want the Russians after them. And so, uh, so I mean, B Ballard was not able to even uh, to even talk about this until I think 2016 or 20 some, sometime in the 2010s. And yeah, I mean, he was he discovered Titanic, and that was kind of the story. But actually, he was actually out there looking for sunken Russian nuclear submarines, and uh, and he only had 12 days in the area to find titanic and he did and of course he's a world famous you know uh, deep sea explorer so that was well, a pretty cool story that yeah, finally came out a few years ago yeah let's take a step back there to think about it think about how vast even the atlantic ocean is i mean it's the smaller of the two of you know compared to the pacific or anything in the entire atlantic ocean he had 12 days well not the entire yeah. atlantic ocean but in a certain large area he had 12 days to find a ship yeah, that, that was like yeah. a mile and a half down or something. Yeah, and uh, you know he's famous for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that would have changed the movie if it had come out like that? Like he was. Uh, what if they had showed that part? Well, I don't really know why um, why Cameron felt like he had to create this whole 
diamond searching story to tell the story of the Titanic. And that didn't, you know, on retrospect, uh, that doesn't really make sense to me. Uh, it's not important. I don't think enough could have been any set of explorers. Um, so, you know, like, like literally the fact that she throws this expensive diamond over the end is such a last minute forgettable thing. At least for me, it was in 97. Maybe it's a big part of it for other people, but I had no idea. So I just don't think it's important. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, they could have just started from the flashback and it would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Ward, what's your questions? Hit us up. Uh, well, let's go back to the the ending of this movie. So two things. One, by so they get Rose onto the lifeboat and and then she changes her mind and jumps off. And from that point on, like Jack spends the rest of the movie basically trying to keep her alive. Did yeah. she kill Jack by jumping off the lifeboat? No. Because he would have found that. Wouldn't he have found that door on his own? <laughs> nah, he was uh, doomed to die no. anyway. Yeah, he had to die. Had so to the bigger question I have, so so that's just something that bugged me when I was watching it last night. But here's a, here's a question I want to pitch to you. Because, uh, okay, so you got this you know wealthy girl who's willing to throw it all away to run away and be basically homeless with this guy. Had they not died, had Jack survived, would they have stayed together? I definitely think so. Yeah. Mm, during this experience, probably they would have probably stayed together for a while. I I have my doubts now that you kind of pose it that way and thinking about it. I don't know what would have happened, but uh, no, I guess maybe I'm being negative. I mean, I'm thinking this guy really does not like being tied down. And, you know, he just likes waking up every day. He doesn't know where he's going to wind up. He doesn't know where he's going to sleep. And then you got this woman who's been, you know, the 17-year-old girl who's been, you know, coddled her entire life. She's probably not going to like his existence, I'm thinking. Yeah, I I, I, I could agree with that. She probably is going to want a little bit more stability. I think you have to. I think you have to look at the other characters here, though, and you know you you see the at one point the the uh, uh, unsinkable what's her name Molly Mary Brown Ray. Molly Brown yeah oh I mean, misery she yeah. says yeah uh, Kathy says, <laughs> she says you know she says if in the lifeboat to all these other women including uh, including uh, Rose's mom she's like. What's wrong with you? We have to go back. Those those are your men out there. And all these women are just like, yeah, <laughs> nope, nope. And I think so if you if you contrast that reaction that they have to Rose's reaction of giving up her chance to uh, save mm. herself and from freezing to death, that there is probably a, you know, at least the film, you know, the film's trying to say, uh, this is a true love that will last forever because she's willing to die for him and he's dying for yeah. her. So Right. What I, Can I ask you another question? What do you think the filmmakers were trying to tell us when that hand slapped on the window? <laughs> uh, that was just a clue. And here's a better question, or at least a related question. Was that her hand or his hand? I don't know. I think it was like a, it was like a basketball player's hand. That thing was huge. <laughs> Oh, so oh, you're talking Leo. in the car when they're in the when they're in the, when they're in the cargo <laughs> yeah. hold. Just a big yeah. sweaty they're mitt just hits that window hard. <laughs> they're trying to tell you it's cold down there. I was the one thing I was thinking of is that car has like no insulation in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I, 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 yeah, they steamed it up, and uh, that I one don't know that what they were... cracks me up every time. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's just that it's like it's like in the fifties or forties if you made a movie and you showed the characters smoking. Well. Clearly, they just had sex. That's, <laughs> right. that's the sign. Yeah. So I guess another another thing we're already you know over half an hour into this. Um, another just we got two and a half in, hours to go. Yeah, just yeah, here we two go. Two and a half, <laughs> two hours and forty five minutes really. But another big and maybe this will be the interlude before we uh, keep talking about the movie. But another big part of this movie that makes me think I don't know where to go. I don't know which things to talk about. That is. Uh, Oscar award winner uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. So uh, this guy is one, or he's been nominated five times for Best Actor. He won once for The Revenant, which we'll discuss later. 
a little bit later. And uh, and so this guy, I mean, I, I think, I, I want to get your guys' opinion. What do you think of Leonardo DiCaprio? I mean, does he live up to the hype in his movies? Is he is he just another, you know, another whatever handsome actor? Or does he have something else more to him, more staying power? What's your history with Leonardo? And do you like him or not like him? Well, I, I think he's great. I mean, the you know, he's been in some of my favorite movies of all time. I I love him in uh, The Revenant and Wolf of Wall Street and, man, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I could go on and on. But uh, I'm trying to remember back, what had he been in up till when this movie came out, besides playing the uh, angst-ridden teenager in Growing Pains? Uh, I've got a couple for you. Um, I know he was uh, the little brother in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. And uh, he was also in Romeo and Juliet with Kate Winslet, too. That was uh, Claire Danes. Oh, no, Claire Danes. Danes, I'm sorry. I was wrong one. I'm reading the wrong. So was he he nominated for Gilbert Grape? Um, I have that. Uh, He did have, I think he won for Best Support. No, nomination for What's Eating Gilbert Grape. I'm reading it right now. Yeah, that's his... Nominee, okay, yeah. so he was uh, he was kind of well known. He w- he hadn't quite hit superstardom yet, but he was w- well respected. Well, let's uh, <clears throat> let's go. Let's uh, well, maybe we need to talk about some of my favorite movies so I can tell you what was he what was he in what he was in before that. Uh, one of them, 1991's Critters Three. Are you guys <laughs> familiar? Yes, I, not I love very in depth. Yes, I love Critters, the Critters series. It's phenomenal, and he was in Critters Three. Uh, it, it has a Rotten Tomato score of zero percent, oh. so that's pretty bad. Uh, unless you're looking at it from the other side, which I think it's pretty good. Uh, he was in The Beach, The Beach, which oh, is a, a good great movie. movie. Yeah. I like The Beach so much. Tilda Swinton's great. And then uh, I watched actually because what I had the goal. I'm going to watch just a bunch of early, early DiCaprio movies before we get on this podcast. And then of course I didn't. I only watched one, and it was The Quick and the Dead uh, oh, from '95. Yeah. Two years earlier, so he played the kid uh, in *Quick and the Dead*, and it was—it was. I mean, his performance was good. He is a phenomenal actor, um, but you know that movie's not that great. So I like *Critters 3: The Beach*, *Blood Diamond*, which was after this, and then *Once Upon a Time in Hollywood*. Those are my four favorite movies of his, or four—I don't know—favorite performances of his. *The Uh, Departed*. You know, obviously, yeah, I *Departed*. I was going to say is great. I don't like gangster movies, but. He was in that. He was in Shutter Island. He was, of course, in uh, Gangs of New York. And yeah, uh, that's some of my favorite ones. As uh, Catch Me If You Can, Gangs of New York, Catch and one of my favorite yeah. films, The Aviator. Aviator. Yeah, it's funny because Aviator was seven years after this movie, and there's a tuxedo scene with him and Aviator. Looks just like the tuxedo scene of him in Titanic. I mean, hasn't really changed a bit. Which mm-hmm. is funny because you look at him now. In 2020, like when when you see him once upon a time in Hollywood, he's definitely you know a man, uh, like a like a fleshed out you know he's got some more bulk to him. But in every one of his early roles, he is a twig. Just as, I mean, he must be 125 pounds if he's if he's at all even that that heavy because he's just such a skinny guy. But uh, I loved uh, once upon a time in Hollywood with him playing alongside Brad Pitt and that, those two super charisma on the screen. That was pretty great. I thought. Yeah, I agree. That was awesome. And I, yeah. So I mean, that's a little interlude there. Uh, I'm going to actually uh, see The Revenant for the first time coming up at the Parkway Theater oh, for a private rental. Private rental, yes. Uh, next week, so we we wait. You can everyone. do that. Yeah, you can do that. We encourage every one of our listeners to uh, book a movie because you haven't seen one in a year, for God's sake. So get out and book one with your friends. That would be a great idea. Just a quick plug in the middle of the of the pod. You know, the uh, other thing so that I'm you could do at the Parkway that I recently discovered is if you oh. rent the Parkway, you can bring your video game console and you oh. can play vids on the big screen. Are you telling really? me that you can you can HDMI into the screen? That's yes, what you, you do. can. Yep. So I, I did some Super Mario Kart with my kids. It was unbelievable. Was that a mistake? Because, uh, I mean, it wasn't a mistake, but it was a lost opportunity because one time... 10, 15 years ago, I I borrowed a projector and I thought the only thing I can do with this, obviously Call of Duty World War Two, and, and that's what I did was you know like a 12 foot screen of the landing on Normandy, <laughs> me the hero with my controller in hand, <laughs> you know 
hitting the beaches of Normandy. I thought that was incredible. But imagine a, a theater screen. Oh yeah, World War whatever game. That's oof, boy. And the full sound system work and everything. Oh yeah, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Dang. All right. Well, we got to talk about that a little bit at the end. So, uh, uh, Byron, anything else on this movie Titanic that uh, you talked a little about the research that that uh, Cameron had done? What do uh, you have any more for us on how? Uh, about that? Not really on anything that he had done for the Titanic, other than just that he. This was probably the start of his or kind of a continuation of his uh, fascination with deep sea diving. I mean, we saw him then continue that with uh, with James Cameron going on into other place, places. I think he even went down to the Mariana Trench at one point. Um, mm. The only, I guess, only other really question I was going to pose for this, uh, we talked about this film, um, talked about it came out in 97. It was the most expensive budget at that time and look how much money it made um james cameron seems to be notorious for going over budget and for going everything everything goes to 11 for how he decides to direct do you think his style or do you think this movie could be made today i mean it's only been how many years it's only really been you know what 23 years or so since this right. film, 23, yep. 24 years. Do you think if, uh, let's say, this movie hadn't been made and James Cameron approached uh, a theater, uh, do you think this would have been made? Um, I think Cameron can pull it off if he wants to do it, but it would definitely be all CGI now, and that would be less impressive. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, though, that he. I think he might be the only director that could pull this off because, first of all, you have to get completely obsessed with your subject matter, and nobody does it like him. I mean, you look at like some, you know, even the Spielbergs and the, you know, Scorseses, they're popping out at least one movie a year, and Cameron can just get obsessed with one topic and make it for years. And and then also you'd have to have the clout the, to for a studio to back you with two hundred million dollars which in today's dollars i don't know what is that in today's dollars matt it's a I lot i didn't look that up i didn't look that up but it's uh it's a lot. i am not wrong it is a lot yeah, it, it, it is, is kind of too bad though that he gets so he gets so obsessed with his subject matter because i mean i don't know about you guys but i'd like to see him make some you know avatar was a good movie but i don't need eight different avatar sequels it's like come on give us a give us a true lies but, sequel before but the, before your career is over at the same time that obsession leads to some really darn good movies i mean if you look he yeah. has a filmography i mean just to name kind of a few he has he has very little films i guess compared to say um other people but i mean if you look at him i mean he's got uh, where we? Where was I here? I had my list. I mean, he's got the Terminator. He's got Aliens. He's got True Lies. He has Titanic. He has Avatar. He's he's good at making these films. Yeah, yeah, big big blockbuster, big budget, big effects things. And I don't know. I mean, I guess yeah. I I'm not a big Cameron fan. Uh, I'm like you know. He's not a name I think of when I'm thinking of uh, movies I like usually, but I know he's there behind the scenes for some of my favorites. Um, so I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I want anything else from him. I also don't want any more Titanic. You know, Titanic two. I mean, what are you gonna do with that? <laughs> Although, uh, back from the uh, depths. Apparently, Jack. Apparently, back. Uh, so Jack is I, back. The only reason I <laughs> Jack is back. The only reason I brought up Titanic two was to sort of wrap up this uh, this episode and ask you guys, uh, well, first inform you and then ask you, do you know that there is an Australian billionaire who is uh, uh, building the Titanic 2 actual ship right now, I believe, in port in Austria, Australia? Yes, I had that just read a little bit about that before we uh, went, on the, went mm-hmm. on the podcast. Do you have more information on it? I'm trying to pull up as much as I can. I don't have more information. I, it sounds like it's going to, it's, it's slated to set sail in 2022 and my only question for you two is if you won a ticket on that thing in a poker game would you actually have the balls to get on it (laughs) (laughs) so does it does it run the same way as the original titanic so it is uh i think it's it has its period 
design period uh, whatever it even have it even has costumes for the guests on board to huh. wear for the 1910 but it does not it's it's modern you know with enough and it says oh we definitely have enough lifeboats for everybody on board <laughs> so yeah uh, i might yeah. set that one out i do think I it's think funny though asking. the uh like when you're watching the movie and you know the captain just when he when he hits the gas pedal like people in the depths of the boat literally have to put more coal into the burners yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like yeah, yeah i don't know it's kind of fascinating seeing, the way that ship actually worked. seeing the seeing the mechanics of that and also the size of some of those cams and you know and and that that was just like that was impressive like i don't know how much of that was cgi or whatever but but yeah because because it basically it, it goes like the captain says let's do this thing go faster and then you see the mechanics of it and then you go all the way down to the bottom and you see sweaty people shoving coal into burners and that that's pretty awesome is that i forgot to bring that up earlier is that how my car works yes, yes. there's actually a tiny elves in your car huh. shoveling coal down near wondered. the bottom of your tires yeah fascinating yeah. well now we've We've solved that riddle. Uh, I only uh, have a little bit more information about the Titanic 2 that I was able to pull up. Uh-huh. Uh, like you said, built by Australian billionaire Clive Palmer that is yeah. scheduled to set sail in 2022, I think is what you had already said. And uh, yeah, like you had said, it's going to be modeled after the 1912 version, but it's going to have all updated technology. And yes. Carrot Top is going to be doing live entertainment. <laughs> No, he just lifts weights now. He, I don't know if you've seen him lately, but he just lifts weights. That's his only thing. He does steroids for sure. Uh, oh, and I have one more question, one more thing about the movie before we wrap this up. Did you think, having seen this now um, you know, in 2021, did it seem like an unusual way to enter into the historical story how we had uh, modern adventure, you know, adventurers essentially... And then, you know, we come back to them once in the middle of the film and then at the end of the film. Is that, that to me struck me as kind of unusual. Like, like they don't do that in all movies. The only other movie I could think of where they do that as a major element of the movie is Saving Private Ryan. Mm, yeah. Good what, point. Where you have, where you have, say, you have a modern day kind of take and they kind of do like a big flashback. Yeah, kind of yeah, framing well, device. Ha- yeah, it's a framing device where like the character... There's a character who's older in the modern one, and then you know they are telling their story. But there's also an an arc or a plot kind of in in the modern version. Oh, I've got and, one. But I got yeah, another one. Yeah. I think I got another one that fits into that. Uh, uh, right. Kind of a joke, but uh, oh gosh, what was it? Um, uh, hold on, kid. Never mind. Got a wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, on the on it. the Princess Valentine's Bride. Day That's what theme. It was. I was blank on the name. Oh, oh yeah. No, Princess Bride, yeah. Uh, so staying on the Valentine's theme, The Notebook. Never Am seen I the it. only one that's seen yeah. The Notebook? I yep, think we know what movie it. we're doing next year for February. Oh, no. Oh, great, great. It's uh, What's that author's name who writes all the teary novels? Yeah, I can't the, remember. The Notebook one. Yeah, yeah. that's great. I uh, know I haven't seen that, but yeah, I just thought it, it just struck me as kind of unusual that like I I had remembered this movie as being the, like the whole tale of these two characters without any of this diamond hunt part of it. So you really have a hard reason. time with the diamond hunt part of this movie. It's not yeah, sitting well I just with think you. That's, I think that's just not. Um, yeah, it certainly wasn't how the Titanic was actually discovered by people who were treasure hunting, essentially. So, you know, that's it's kind of not true to the real story, which is. I would think Cameron would want to be more, I don't know, real. But I guess that's a hook for the audience. Like, oh, it's a fancy, expensive diamond. So I think he yeah. gave up on, on being totally true to the source, to the real story when he invented Rose and Jack. I don't know if there was a Rose and Jack. Maybe I don't think there was. There was. Rose Jack. I don't know. Uh, well, that's true. How see, would we I ever know if there so, was a Jack? But the last survivor I know of the Titanic had died in 2009. I think is yeah. what I had. Well, so we can't ask them. Yeah, that was my white my ex-wife's grandpa. Yeah, that's that, right. That, that I was telling you about. <laughs> All right, let's put a wrap on this thing. Uh, we got what? Uh, we, got we got two hours discussion. to go. Yeah, no, we can't possibly be as interesting as Jack and Rose unless someone slaps their hand on my pod booth window here. 
and it's all steamed <laughs> oh, up. Oh God! <laughs> Hold on here. I gotta. I gotta pause here, and I gotta change tape over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put the second one in. So, Ward, what is coming up at the old Parkway Theater other than my private screening? Yeah, of Revenant. So, believe it or not, the Parkway is about to welcome actual human beings back into the theater. Sundays for the next six Sundays, we're going to be doing a an event called uh, the Church of Lost Souls, which is guitarist Billy McLaughlin with special musical guests like uh, Michael Monroe and Nicholas David from The Voice and others. And so it's going to be a live streamed event. You can go to the ParkwayTheater.com and buy a live stream passport or we're going to be welcoming 93 lucky in-person socially distanced guests to view the live stream live uh, each Sunday so tickets are available on the parkwaytheater.com yeah Byron what do you got coming up Oh, that sounds fantastic. Uh, let's see. On the Fun V podcast, we're still on James Bond, uh, and we are uh, now doing, I think we're done with Pierce Brosnan, and I think we're going to be reviewing GoldenEye next one. Yes, and we have more time to reach the end, because uh, unfortunately, Byron, what happened? Ah, well, uh, it got put, no time, no to, time die. to die, uh, got pushed back yeah. again, so apparently there's no time yeah. for this film either. <laughs> Apparently, they're going to push it back uh, just in time for it to die, I- I'm guessing. Yeah, well, uh, the just funny to put thing it is... in perspective, they uh, shot this film so long ago, they're going to have to reshoot it because the technology's old. Right. Yes, I heard that. That is amazing. So they had some deals, you know, some partnership deals with cell phone manufacturers to use their latest model in the movie. And now that's not the latest model. And they're like, uh, give us our money back unless you reshoot those scenes. Imagine how pissed Daniel Craig would be. I'm sure he doesn't. He can't get more money, I don't think. Maybe he does. I don't know. But what a what a shocker. I mean, uh, I want to go see a movie in the theater. Darn it. Let's make it happen. Anyways, uh, well, you know, if you want to reach out to us here at the Parkway Podcast, you can reach us at, uh, at our email, parkwaytheaterpodcast at gmail.com. Or give us a call at 612 612- Two one seven two five two zero and leave us a voicemail. We'll definitely play it on the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, coming up next for uh, for the next holiday, St. Patrick's Day, we'll be discussing Boondock Saints. And I can't wait to hear both of your Irish or Scottish accents <laughs> during that episode. Uh, trying to be the boys from the uh, the movie. And uh, well. That'll be uh, in about uh, two weeks, three weeks, a month. So for Ward and Byron, I'm Matt signing off this episode of the Parkway Podcast. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs>